Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the Halloween podcast where uh, <laughs> where uh, we're doing the 1963 movie The Haunting, starring, do you know who's starring, Brady? Uh, starring Julie Harris, Richard Johnson, Russ yes. Tamblin, and Claire Bloom. <laughs> and Dick Johnson. Richard William Johnson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dick Johnson. William Johnson. Yeah, yeah so. Um, Robert Johnson wouldn't be funny. So no. we're doing the spooky movie for the spooky Halloween episode, uh, even though it may or may not be Halloween on this particular day. It is. Uh, this is a spoiler it's full podcast. It's uh, always. Film a week from two film geeks from Brady and Rob. We've been doing a uh, little less than a film a week as of late, but you know we're stick- we're gonna stick by our motto. Uh, this time we have a special musical guest, Chunk. What's your motto? As a film a week from two film geeks. Nothing. Ah. What's the motto with you? Uh, What's the motto for you? Uh? So we have special musical uh, guest Chunk, Brian Bauer. Hello. And we also have Brady and myself, as we normally do. And we have the specialist guest, Tessa Cox. Yep. So, uh, yeah. 1963 movie. Does people have something to say to introduce it? Or do we just want to move on to plot synopsis? Uh, well, I was going to say a thing. Because uh, you were going to have me. Tessa's going to do the synopsis. Mm-hmm. But you wanted me to introduce the actors. But as I said, I read through their biographies, and while lengthy, uh, for instance, our lead actress, Julie Harris, I understand it has had, uh, well, she passed away recently, rest in peace, but had a very uh, storied Broadway career. But that said, you haven't heard of most of the stuff these people have been in. In fact, even a film autistic like myself has not heard of most of the films these people have been in. For instance, our lead actor, Robert Johnson, no, Richard Johnson, Yes. that dick. Uh, yeah. He has mostly been in a bunch of TV series for two episodes on Magnum P.I. and whatnot, <laughs> playing characters with names like Nigel Thistlebrishes and <laughs> Alistair McCracken and the like. <laughs> so uh, so most of the time you haven't... The, the most famous person is Russ Tamblin playing the comic relief character, the nephew. He was yeah. famously the essentially the Benvolio part in West Side Story. Uh he also happens to be Seth Rogen. And he happens to be Seth Rogen. Yeah, you guys were does all not calling age. him Seth Rogen. Well, I mean, he looks like Seth Rogen. I mean, uh, he does look like, yeah, he does look like bit. Seth Rogen. Although, a <laughs> little, little bit. But yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. that said, instead, I'll give you a little bit of historical context. We're in the year 1963, and I would just like to point out for the record this is one of the shittiest years for Best Picture nominees on record. Uh, and they had some good options to go with. Fellini's groundbreaking eight and a half comes out that year. HUD comes out that year. Uh, John Luke Goddard's Contempt. Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. The Birds. A superior horror film. Not even nominated. The Leopard, which Rob loves, came out this year. Masterpiece. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the great populist, feel-good, awesome war movies ever, The Great Escape. So they had some good options <gasps> was that to nomi- go with. That was nominated, right? Mm. If it was, it certainly wasn't for Best Picture. No. Instead, our oh. nominees were Cleopatra, which is four hours oh. goddamn long, Lilies of the Field, which is subtly racist, oh. How the West is Won, which is just 
a bunch of people showing out the West as one, and you know them because they're celebrities, except you don't now because it's in the 60s. <laughs> and uh, America, America, a really boring immigration movie. Oh, man. I remember when you were watching these, they were all abysmal. Oh, yeah, and Tom Jones, the winner, which doesn't age well either. So let's kick it to Tess. But I'll just say uh, this movie being nominated for Best Picture in that year would have been a welcome addition amid that not yeah, illustrious myriad company. Of bullshit. Um, okay, so I'm doing the plot synopses. Let's see. I don't usually do these. Um, I try and keep them concise. Anyway, so The Haunting um, is a movie that starts out with um, our main actor. Uh, what's the character's name? John. John. John Mc- Markway. Doctor John Markway. Everybody's smoking. Um, narr- everyone is smoking. He's he's discussing the history of a haunted house called Hill House. Um, which was built by uh, a Mr. Crane. I can't remember his first name. It's weird. Um, so the Crane house was built for his wife, and his wife uh, was killed when the the, car- the horses pulling her carriage were spooked, and um, they killed her. And then he took a second wife, and she died falling down the stairs, and... Then he died. I can't remember. Hang herself off the no, stairs. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, she fell else. down the stairs, and that's an amazing shot. But we'll talk about that later. Um, so, and then uh, he dies. I can't remember how. Um, it's not in the house, as far as I remember. And then this leaves the this leaves his daughter alone, um, and she never really grows up and stays in her nursery and has a caretaker and grows old. And then the caretaker um, ignores her cries for help. Um, thus in the old woman dies and the caretaker takes the house and then hangs herself. So he's tell you know, setting up the whole chilling backstory of this house and it's haunted now and Everybody no one, dies nobody there. ever stays. And he hasn't, he's a doctor studying the paranormal and he decides to get together a gang of the Scooby gang of folks that have paranormal backgrounds to bring to the house to stay until they can figure out, you know, if it's actually haunted essentially. So he gets together um, Eleanor Lance, um, a woman who spent most of her life taking care, her adult life taking care of her elderly mother. She has an awful cunty sister that's really mean to her and won't let her take the car or give her any space, even though she pays rent at the house. And it's really awful and hard to watch. And there's a lot of talk about like skeletons in her closet and some mysterious past that she has and um, you know, the, but the, it's all very vague. And so she gets invited by Dr. Markway to take part in this paranormal investigation. And she's just so thrilled that she's been invited somewhere because she never had any friends and nobody likes her. And, um, you know, he's the only person that's ever been nice to her. So she steals her sister's car that she half owns and drives out to the house. And, um, you know, we find that he's also called... Uh, in a woman named Theo, question mark. And when she introduces herself, she introduces herself as Theo, or as Theodora, just Theodora, and gives her nickname, etc. Um, and then we also have the the heir to the Hill House is staying, uh, Luke. 
um, who the people who own the house just decide to like throw him in there too because they want him to have to deal with it before he inherits it and decides to make a bunch of money off it. So here's our Scooby gang. We've got our Scooby gang together in the house. We've got Eleanor, the uh, Eleanor and Tweed, the um, the frightened demure woman who's really excited that she's been invited anywhere and um you know fiery fiery theo who's a clairvoyant and you have many instances where she'll just like outright tell particularly with with eleanor just stuff that she's thinking or things that she's doing um points out that she was thinking of changing her hair you know and just knows stuff that people are thinking then we have you know luke the comic relief guy that's always hitting on everybody and then you know british dr markway and he's british and <laughs> that so they're all together in the house and then um he's there's like a, a psychologist serious, or something like a, that right? yeah no he's a he's a uh, anthropologist oh, okay um they just talk about that and uh you know i don't want to go into each scene of the haunting but suffice to say we have a scooby gang together and there's several scenes that take place over the course of several days where the house is being haunted and i'm sure that we'll get into each individual scene to talk about later on because each one is really interesting um but you know a lot of them there's a moment where let's see if i can just give the quick rundown here the first time they're in the hall and it's cold and they can't find their way and this is uh with the uh, eleanor and and uh theo are often the ones being haunted um, you seldom see the men being haunted in this way. And then, you know, the uh, Theo's alone at night and she hears like a dog and banging and she goes to Theo's room and they're scared. And then um, during the day, there's a lot of talking <laughs> between characters. Um, finally, it culminates to um, slow build to them all being in the parlor at night after um, Mrs. Markaway shows up. So she's she's a hardcore skeptic and she shows up and decides to stay in the most haunted room in the entire house. And um, everyone else is, is corralled in the uh, in the um, lounge, the parlor scared shitless. And then really hardcore haunting starts to happen. Eleanor realizes more and more throughout the story that she belongs here, that this is the only place that she's ever belonged. And so she kind of loses her shit at the end, and then um, some scary stuff happens, and Mrs. Markaway gets lost in the house because it's super, super haunted, and she's hella haggard. And then, um, spoilers, uh, they try and send... Um, Eleanor away from the house uh, send her home and uh, the car is haunted and her car like she loses control of it because the ghost wants to keep her there crashes her into a tree and she dies and uh, everyone is upset that the house is haunted <laughs> and like that was a terrible synopsis but it's so hard to talk about those individual scenes because everything is like very subtle and a lot of like talking and cerebral stuff happening. So it's like, yeah, the whole, the, yeah, you never see a ghost. The whole, the whole, the whole middle of the movie is a lot of like just ambiance and creepiness. Yeah, burn it to and, the ground yeah, and cover and, it and, with and, salt. and inner monologues. Yeah, and a lot of inner monologues from, from uh, Eleanor and a lot of lesbian subtext and 
all of this stuff that that you're thinking about but it's like when I try and break down each scene I can't really do it until we're talking about scenes individually yeah we'll so. get to it we'll get to it but no, that's that what good. that's the that's the rundown um the Scooby gang goes to a haunted house it's actually haunted and then Daphne dies <laughs> Velma dies sorry <laughs> cool does anybody have anything to add that they feel was left out that shouldn't have been yeah, if you can think of anything that I forgot. I, I think not. I think that's a perfect way to kind of synopsize the movie. Yeah. Uh, typically, we spoil everything, but you kept that. Uh, we're at like well, the 11-minute we'll, we'll, mark we'll or something. Talk. You're great. Yeah. Yes, perfect. Um, so uh, should we go do that other thing that's like, Hey, 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 how do we like it? Hey, hey, hey. How do you How'd like, you like it? it? Exactly. Uh, so how do we like this movie? Um, this movie was my suggestion, and I have loved this movie since I saw it in a film class, in a darkened theater, and everyone was absolutely spellbound. And um, I guess I'll just go ahead and get this little anecdote out of the way, but I saw it in a like a queer cinema class or something. I can't remember exactly. At UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> That's all their classes I are. I didn't see it in queer um, cinema, actually. This was with Ed O'Neill, I think. I mean, yeah, no, I did anyway, queer cinema with Ed O'Neill, but I don't think we watched this. This is you know, one that we watched. I'm, there was a segment was on Was I in horror. that class with you, though? This one, maybe, maybe you not. I think we took that the, separately. Did we take it? I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so, th- But this movie... Oh like, no, we did take it together because we saw Show Me Love in that yeah. one. Okay, I just no. That you're thinking of you're thinking of gender and global cinema, oh, where that we w- met. Oh right, right. Um, no, anyway, I, no, I do remember <laughs> this. I I fell the fuck asleep. Yeah, you probably did, but I was I was spellbound by it. It's it's gorgeously shot. Um, it's it has a lot of interesting subtext, and you know, I was constantly riveted by both reading into it, um, reading between the lines, and then also just a, a, a lot of subtle building of uh, just a general creepiness that's that's going on throughout the entire thing. And you know, in modern movies, you ex- things are jumping out at you constantly. And in this movie, like, uh, and Brian even pointed out, like, at one point there's this perfect moment where if it were a modern film, you know, the door would slam or the guy would swing the door open and scare the crap out of the girls. And, like, none of that happens. Nothing is timed that way. Everything is timed a little bit delayed so that you're expecting this build, this build to, like, oh, I'm going to be jumping out of my seat right now. And then it doesn't happen. So you, you constantly get denied that, like, fear release. And um, like a horror movie then, nothing that was then very at scary. the at the end. But then here's the thing, and like the, the, we we weren't watching it in the way that I was watching it. Like there was a lot of shuffling around and eating snacks and things. And like I was riveted. It was quiet. Everyone in the theater was into it in the same way. Like you that that helps. It, yeah, yeah, and it was you know so the the experience was different. But then like you know you're you're never quite getting that. Um, oh my god, the boogeyman just jumped out or like the door slammed like none of that ever happens You're never jumping through that the entire movie and then finally at the end when mrs. Markaway like pops up out of the trap door looking all disheveled and shit half of the room jumped out of their seat screaming because nobody nobody had been expect like at this point every single instance of of that kind of like oh my god you know had been had been pulled back and denied us 
and that by then everyone was so like strung out on on this suspense that was never getting addressed or you know offered any kind of like actual like oh jumping out and then finally that happened at the very end it was like the whole movie was building towards this one moment where something actually happened and it was never a ghost so you, you never see a ghost so you liked it I did like it, and I wanted to. I wanted to get this out before you know. I uh, we so that it wouldn't end up that I never said anything. Uh, but yes. this is um, because I don't know where this would fit into your um, segments. But yes, I love this movie, and the first time I saw it, I had an incredible theater experience watching it, and just the way that the suspense builds is absolutely phenomenally structured. Um, and I kind of wished we had watched it in more of like a quiet, just, you know, dead focus. Yeah, kind of we a way, here at Carnivorous Couch we never, don't. We never do. We're always, yeah, we, we're always talking we're about always stuff during the movie. We're always drinking beer and, yeah, and yeah. going like, oh, are you hungry? Yeah. You're hungry? You gotta yeah, pee? Exactly. Gotta be, Rob spent beer? the first 15 minutes shuffling around trying, trying to get to the, the speakers audio, to work. It was in so, mono. like, yeah, no, I mean, it was. But, you know, this movie when it was made, it was in mono, so it wasn't really a big deal. The pop and stickers were delicious, by the way. Oh, thank yeah, you. Uh, and also the fact that you can hear out of both your ears right now tells me something diagnostically about this cable, that it's not this cable, and that I need to figure out why the right channel of those speakers aren't working. But for this movie, so, it was fine, because it's from yeah. 1963. It was probably mono anyway, and it, it, it was kind of fine out of one speaker. And I feel like this this movie is why I consider myself like a fan of horror, of the horror genre, um, even though most horror movies are terrible. Like, I would never say I liked Saw. I don't like those kinds of movies, but, like, horror as a genre Saw isn't, is, like, well, is, it's, a, it's a, isn't horror. a gross it's like, out. It's torture yeah, porn. Yeah, torture porn. But, you know, it's, it, it's, in, it's in the genre. It exists in the horror genre. Um, so, like, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that I like about horror. Even some bad horror movies, like, I'll really enjoy watching the tropes developed and see you know how those are used for example um like this movie has a lot of uh lesbian subtext and when i watched the descent which is a terrible horror movie about monsters in a cave <laughs> that attack women there's always a lot of lesbian subtext well not always but it's it's a thing that happens in horror movies is like if you're in a horror movie you might be a lesbian and um, I like watching you those might tropes. Be, or you might be dead. Yeah, or you <laughs> might be dead. And I like watching those tropes develop and see, you know, this is this is one where that is just, you know, if you're if you're a woman in a horror movie, it's subtextually that you're a lesbian. Anyway. Okay, so, so what's your okay, letter grade? grade? My letter grade is an A plus. All right, A plus. I don't think we've had one of those on this. From me. Not from anyone. I uh, you've my given A's. A's are all pluses. Oh, the, the plus. What's the plus? The plus. Okay, so we'll just consider A that like yeah. this is the first time this has come Capping up. So out. we'll consider it A is the top. Okay, A. Yeah, it's an A. There's been plenty of A. Pluses. Hey, there's such there's such thing as a B plus and there's such thing as a B plus, right? No, I but know. But we've a never plinus. said A plus out loud before. Yeah. A plus. Okay. Um, a B plus? And I've especially never said A plus. B plus, C minus. I mean, but. wait, B plus A minus is a B minus. Okay. Anyway, uh, Brian, how did you like it? Um, I wasn't crazy about it, to be honest. Uh, I might be jaded by, like, uh, <laughs> more modern movies that are actually, actually like, kind of consistently scary. Wait, hold throughout. on. I'm going to be, like, a debate announcer. Yeah. Uh, this is this is Brian Trunk Bauer talking. Yes. 
Chonk is my but middle name. But you're supposed name. to keep it. I'm just going to Chonk is my middle yes. name. Right, I believe you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a little slow for my liking. Uh, when I, you know, watch a horror movie, I guess I expect a, a little more, like, uh, consistent scariness. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was interesting. I don't know. I'd get it probably like a C minus. Wow, I'll that's low. A, how about a C plus? <laughs> C, uh, Does that work? C plus, B minus? Bay. Yeah. Or are you saying D plus? I'm saying more like D plus C minus. Wow, okay, D you minus. hated it. I I just wasn't that entertained. You by hated it. this shit. <laughs> Hate is a strong okay. word. I'm sorry, Hate is quite I a strong word, time, and that's Brian. exactly how strong sorry. you are. Had, it was a <laughs> fine way to spend a Saturday afternoon, but um. I mean, yeah. you hate it more than I like the leopard. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful animals. Very All nice right. <laughs> so, Brady. Uh, what did you think? What did I think? Um, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, and I, uh, horror is one of those genres that I often don't expect much out of. Right. Uh, but that makes it nice. Uh, you know, I've got a handful of horror movies that I consider great masterpiece movies. And it's nice. Like what? Uh, now, birds, to be fair. Psycho. This, anything by Hitchcock. If this is to be shiny. one of them, it's not yet for me. Uh, but... I thought it was masterfully put together in terms of uh, its composition and how it looked. Oh, yeah. They do a a good job cross-cutting, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know these things are all taken at different times, but they do a very good job. Cinematography-wise, I would say, too. Uh, And, yeah, no, (laughs) uh, the the thing that Brian doesn't like about it, I I don't completely agree with, but I also don't disagree with. Uh, For the record. So you're taking no position. Yeah. uh, No, (laughs) I, I am taking a position. For the record, I was never viscerally scared by this movie. But at the same time, the reason I wasn't viscerally scared is that we got lots of breaks to indulge in character specifics, which made it psychologically richer than any haunted mm-hmm. house movie I've seen. So, uh, and I don't usually, honestly, I don't scare that easily. Yeah. So I don't go to many movies for that. Uh, so what I want is either that it looks good, which this movie does, and I want maybe some thematic depth. And on that, I think um, there might be issues where, like, I don't find the thematic links as clean as in their genuine masterpiece horror movies where I'm like, this movie is about that and it syncs up perfectly. But I like the messy character (laughs) elements uh, because it makes it I I like that I actually cared about the people, which Mm -hmm. is rare in a horror movie. So I am going to uh, give it the fabled Babe Linus. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, uh, but uh, really, really, uh, I enjoyed it. That's and it like what you give every movie. No, no. No, I, he, do, he doesn't at all. I mean, except for The Iceman. I thought my reputation was that I give too many movies A's. He gives lots of A's and then really That's like silly reputation. low grades for some things. I don't give that many low grades. Well, The Iceman. <laughs> the I mean, the Iceman. But if like we're it's... watching it for the podcast, it's probably something that Brady's going to like. Well, we watched the Iceman for the podcast. I don't know what the Iceman is. It's a recent. Obviously, I I guess I didn't listen to that one. Oh, my (laughs) God. The one that I missed. God, yes, I know. You're (laughs) such a huge fan of the podcast. How did you not know about the constant Iceman references? I just listened to them to hear the sound of my velvety voice. So you're only just reenacting the reality that you've already enacted. I I am a huge self-loathing narcissist. Okay, wait, so Brady, you gave it a B plus, and did you have more to say after that, or was it... Oh, I'm sure there are other segments. Uh, no, yeah, I... Uh, beautifully shot, uh, good psychological horror, character, awesome, uh, 
some interesting psychological insights. Maybe not as well connected as I would have liked, but super. I liked it a lot. All right. Um, how did I like this movie? There were things I liked about it. There were things I didn't. I mean, it was kind of slow, a little bit boring. Perhaps the only one with notes. Uh, kind of, <laughs> yeah, I have notes. Kind of not scary. Oh, Aside I mean, from that, I mean, like, I, I'm not really scared by. I don't think I've ever been scared by a horror movie how about before. The ring? Uh, I thought it was no, kind of scary. Not, not really scared me. It's okay. So, like, if a horror movie scares me, th- here's the way it scares me: is like later when I'm watching TV. And I fall asleep, and then <laughs> I get up, like, kind of in my sleep, and I go to the bathroom, and then I kind of, like, fall into bed next to my girlfriend, and then um, I wake up in the middle of the night with a bad dream, and then the TV's on in the other room. That's how a horror movie scares me. It doesn't scare me when I'm in there watching it, but it will put ideas into my head that ah, freak the fuck okay, out of me later. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really enjoy much, like, a, a lot of people like to go to horror movies because when they're watching it, it scares them. Right. Yeah. Right? And they want that feeling. I don't really want that feeling when I'm not watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do horror movies scare me? Yes, later. That's bad. <laughs> um, but n- while I'm watching it, no. So, so at any rate, I, I wasn't really worried about it not scaring me. I, you know, it was a little slow, and I thought that I was like, ah, it's 1963. It's, uh, I was just actually super surprised that it was widescreen. I thought it was going to be boxed up, you know? It's a beautiful movie. And no, it was a very, very pretty movie. Um, the sets were, were very good. Yes. I, I got to say, like, it looked really nice. Yeah, well, I, I kind of wonder where the fuck they shot it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that shot right? of her uh, running up the stairs. That oh, was my right, God. right, right. No, oh, yeah, no, and that's a, that's like, a uh, we'll talk about that, but that's a thematic callback to in the beginning when the second wife is running up the stairs and you see her inexplicably fall. And that's that's the exact like mirror. It's, it's not the exact mirror shot, but it, it does call back to that moment. Yeah, you know, like she's going to fall down the stairs right now. Like, yeah, just the idea the, that the house is forcing you into the energy of this previous the, thing. That yeah, that, that, that there's this cyclical and like the, the the shots do mirror so much that that opening monologue that that the doctor has, like everything that you see kind of gets mirrored in certain like when she's driving when she's driving up to the house initially that mirrors her uh the the what the first wife yeah yeah when the horse and carriage stops and like uh you know kills her and like she gets this awful feeling right at that same spot right like and like very nearly crashes her car for no reason and that that's the kind of thing about this movie that will scare me it's because later like that kind of mirrors real life like saw never scared me right because i'm probably never going to be in a house where there's this guy playing a maniacal game where he's torturing people right right you should be so lucky yes i should be so lucky Everyone else in the world has to deal with this, but I am so lucky that I do not. I never get invited <laughs> to torture. I remember parties. hearing somebody say oh, that thought it was ambiguous as to whether the ghost uh, in the movie is supposed to be real or not. Like maybe it's all in everybody's head or something. She was saying that, was but I think that. that they were they were like saying that no, you're not correct. Like this yeah, house is clearly at some on point, it. They're all definitely yeah. experiencing she's the same just, thing. She's trying, but then well, I think unless that's all the people that she's experiencing with are all in her that head. that are all in her head. And right. Like I think, but that, after like, she dies, they're still hanging hanging around, doing shit, taking her polls, blah, blah, right. blah. So. That's a little bit of maybe, like, the the lesbian subtext, too, but I'm not exactly sure how to connect it. Well, we'll get but to that. Yeah. We'll get to that and what's it all about. But so anyway, I want to say, yes, it was very beautiful. I like the fact that it was widescreen because I didn't expect it to be. Um, and uh, I really just love the look of 
you know, a nice anamorphic lens, especially if they're tacking on, as they did sometimes, like very wide lenses like fisheye yeah. and all sorts of effects, all sorts of practical effects. There wasn't any, like this is 1963 and it's black and white. It didn't have to be. It could have been in color. But it's black and oh, white yeah. because that's, true. that's a stylistic choice. And it was it was just very beautiful and all the effects were practical effects and they really or did like their in, job. Do, do you call like the in-camera effects practical effects? Because practical effects are like, like stuff the, that you build. Well, like with the fisheye and the swinging. But back that's and forth. not, is that, like, well, I'm just, I just want to, I want to, like, interject right now and say, is that the correct technical term for in-camera stuff? Like, when you watch the woman age, like, is that a practical effect or is that technically a special effect because it's stuff they did inside the camera, like they did with the film? Oh, either way. They're, they're practical effects. They're, well, there was no CG back then. Well, and no, they were but it's still sets. a special effect. Yeah, whereas, it's... like, the door, the rubber door, that's a practical effect. Right, right. So what's the difference between a, a practical, practical effect, effect and a like special a, effect? A practical effect is, like, a physical thing that you build. So, like, a practical effect is a puppet. Or, so, uh, like, in, in okay. Alien... The, the puppet, like their actual puppet. I wasn't of drawing the a delineation, so I guess. But if yeah, we're going I'm just, to, I just am being too technical. Okay, but I don't the know. The effects. Yeah, I don't the know if the in camera stuff were, is. were incredibly a well effect. done. And like, they're done in a way to like kind of create within the mise en scene, like the idea of, hey, we're fucking with this. But like, just the way they used to do effects like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it works better. It's yeah. just it's just like we're just fucking using with a it. I don't like how everything is CGI like, now. I no, wish they did the more. Well, I wish there like, were still more like puppets. We're in like and... the fucking you know early birth like bastard days of, of CGI. It's gotten a lot we're, better. Yeah, but still. and it will continue to get better. And in twenty yeah. years, we'll be looking at it and going like, it look CGI looks exactly the same as reality, and you know, that'll that'll be fine. I think it's never gonna get better than Jurassic Park when they used fucking puppets and use a little yep. bit of CGI to yep. augment. Yeah, they should just be right, getting right. better and better at No, but what, I, okay, technology. so what I'm saying is, like, I think in, like, 20, 30 years, we'll get past the little bastard shitty phase of CGI where it's, like, it's you can totally worse. tell that it's, like, no, it's getting more frequently used, and it's getting used more quickly and just more ubiquitously. It's yeah. making it look worse. We'll fix but, it in post. But sooner or later, we're going to get to the point where, like, it reaches critical mass, and the competing power is just so good that it will look real. Um, it's like the same thing. I don't know thing. if you can ever get away from that uncanny valley crap, like though. Like, eventually yeah. it's going to look, like, so real that it's, like, not quite... It's, like, you know that it's not real. It's not an actual person. So it's just a bunch of that, like, weird Tom Robert Hanks. Zemeckis <laughs> Christmas movie with the kids and their dead eyes. Richard Parker. Okay, so what I was Richard trying to say Parker! is I love the effects and the way they did it, and I think they look a lot more natural, and I think they draw a lot more to the mood and, and create this sort of thing. I also liked what Tess was saying, which is, like, what they'll do is, like, instead of having something jump out at you, and I don't know if there were other movies going around where things were jumping out of you back then. I, I've got a bet Not as no, much then. But it, it does create this weird feeling. Um, you know, it's probably indexical because of the fact that we have seen horror movies now where things do have to jump out of you at, like, every 10 a la seconds. Halloween every 10 seconds. Um, or at least and when I say a la Halloween, I mean Halloween the movie. Yeah. Right, or yeah. something creepy has to happen or gross or, or something. Yeah. Right? But... Like, because we have that expectation when we watch this movie, probably when people were watching this movie, they didn't have that expectation like we did. As much, yeah. Right. But when they do something like, you know, the girl gets upset and then she walks and it pans her off camera and then they, like, stop on a statue and they just hold it for a little bit too long and you're just like, 
well, okay, something's about to Yeah, like nope. I definitely thought nope. at one point there were like there was a scene that ended on the face of the statue. There were many of them. And it, I yeah. was like totally expecting in my, something in my modern film mind for right. the eyes to like open on the well, statue. I, right. But I, I think the fact that it doesn't is a stronger effect than it yes, would be if they exactly. did. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's like part of this like suspense that it's building is like you keep expecting something to happen yeah. and it never does. And like, I, you know, I'm I haven't seen enough stuff from that time. That's horror, But like I do feel like there is a payoff that's expected no matter what kind like when you're watching movies is like eventually you expect some kind of a payoff like with Hitchcock films like. Yeah, he's the master of suspense, but every so often you'll see something that makes you go, <gasps> you know, like somebody's hiding behind a door and the you re, you find out that, uh, you know, somebody's like the secret informant and you go, <gasps> you know, and like you get that kind of just re there's a revelation at least every so often in a Hitchcock We're film. kind of doing that here in that will Rob be killed <laughs> before he can give his grade? Oh, exactly. I'm sorry. I just, um, I really uh, like right, talking right. about this movie. No, Go no, ahead. it's really cool. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, those are the things I liked. I didn't like the fact that it, it didn't necessarily hold my attention. Luckily I had a pen and paper to take some notes so that I'll have some interesting things to say later. <laughs> um, so a yeah, didn't yeah, it didn't really hold my attention. But the things that I did like about it, when I did catch it, uh, I really liked. So I'm gonna go ahead and just give it a flat out B. Cool. Because I and that's a pretty good grade for me. That I mean, is a good that's grade. our Tom yeah. Brian. We're gonna be all over the map today. You guys are yeah. easy with your grades. You got a movie that barely held your attention, you're giving a B. I didn't say it barely held my attention. It there were I felt like it was too long. Because when uh, that was where we got into this like uh, camera special effects uh, sort of talk, I was saying that 1963, I went mm, 110 or uh, 90 minute, 100 minute movie. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. It was actually an hour and 50 minutes. Which oh is, wow! It was really? longer yeah. than I expected. And it was a that's huh. a lot longer than I expected. And and also that's an hour and fifty minutes in the old way where the credits are at the beginning as you're right. being let in, and there's no like ten minutes of rolling credits with yep. all the special effects and blah blah blah. Yeah. So actually was an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> if a movie was an hour and ten minutes now, it'd actually be an hour and twenty five minutes right. because of the fifteen minutes of credits that you would have at the end. Yeah. So anyway, a um, little long for what it was, but. When it did get to the parts that were really cool, uh, they did a very good job on those parts. I just wish that uh, it was kind of maybe... A little less lingering on doorways and that kind of thing. No, I liked you know? that, though. I think, I, think <laughs> I, mostly, too, but, I think mostly it was the know. dialogue. This movie was very like... much about doors, I feel. <laughs> no, once I met my first short film, my brother, he was in it, and he referred to it as a lot of people walking in and out of doors. Yeah, <laughs> so when doors you say that, just... I'm just like... <laughs> My first short film. Like on several occasions, the <laughs> the moment that was supposed to be scary was the fact that a door was open that wasn't open before. Right. Like, oh look, the door is open. Yeah. And I, guess that, I guess that was supposed to be scary. The obstacle a lot of people is the path. walking in and out of doors. In fact, this obstacle is the door being closed, and that means you must open it. That's your path. So let's open the door to our next segment, which is uh, <laughs> good transition. Good transition. Yeah, nice <laughs> Have you heard this game before, Brady? Or Brady? Brian? Uh, plot lines. Uh, remind me? What is this about? Okay, basically, I'm going to read uh, plot synopsises. Okay. And Synopsis. then, so you'll buzz in. Mm -hmm. You've listened to Adam Carolla podcast. Yeah. I've stolen it from there. It's like totally topical TV trivia. Uh, I don't listen okay. to that. So much. basically, I'm reading the thing, and you buzz in okay. by saying, Brian, 
Then you wait for me to say, Brian, you like as as in you just buzzed in. Then okay. you say the title. How do I buzz in? I go. Bzz. No, you say Brian. I have to say my own name. Right. Okay. And then I go Brian, and then you tell me the name of the movie that I'm reading the plot line for. Okay. And if I just continue reading the plot line, that means you're wrong, and you can't buzz in again until after everybody else has buzzed in. Will you at least hold up your middle finger at me to show that I'm wrong instead of just you know? It depends on how disgusted I am by your guess. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's how that's gonna go. And then after that, we're gonna do a thing where thing then, happens. Then we're gonna talk more about the film. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Tess left the room, so I'm just gonna pause here for a second. But you know, da 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 da. It's the motherfucking G O double G. We're recording. Woo! Never hey. stop. It doesn't stop. It never stops. Cast that pot into the sea. I guess she'll turn up towards the mic. Okay, so I'm gonna do the first movie. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> this will make it great. Hey, you gotta get off your phone, Brady. Y'all gotta get off your phone for this game, so you're not looking up stuff. Yeah, we can't look at our phones. Fucking cheaters. All right. Fucking cheaters. Rob's got his thing All right. out. The laptop, I mean. All right, so I'm gonna start reading the thing, and then you buzz in with your name, and wait until I say your name to guess. Okay. Okay. With a dead body lying between them. Saw. I mean, Tessa. Saw. I mean, wait. Brian. You're both supposed to wait. Tessa. Fuck. I'm sorry. Saw. I, like, just said it. (laughs) Tessa. Saw. That is correct from uh, 2004. I was going to say Weekend at Bernie's. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Uh, Tessa's (laughs) one point. Uh, But, I mean, like, you, you were right. Like, there wasn't any contention there, so it's okay. But what you're supposed to do is say, Tessa. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'll play I'll play correctly. <laughs> Getting the next pick up here. Do you have all these movies, like, planned out in advance? Or? No, I usually just string. But all these people are fucking TV actors. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it difficult, but I guess I can string. Some good radio right here. I, I cut out the bullshit. Yeah. Except for this. Don't cut this out. Yeah, I'm not cutting this out. This is real good. That would be, uh, whoa, there's a guy named Joe Johnny Turturro. That's funny. Why is that funny? Because there's a John Turturro who's an actual good actor. God damn. That was a horrible movie to start with because I can't use any legs from it to actually. Oh, we'll start uh, over then. You can't use Carrie Elwes? I still what you get got one Princess Bride, man. Right. Yeah, I say you we, can. I say we start over. We eliminate Tessa's point. No. no. Oh, this is the only point I'll get. No, but it's it's a lot easier to string than it is to kind of try and think of right. another movie. Right, yeah, to type yeah, in. yeah. But, uh, okay, here we go. A man, mistaken for a millionaire, seeks retribution for his ruined rug. Brady. Brady. <gasps> the Big Lebowski. Damn. Uh, from, uh, 1998. Yeah, I give you guys lots, lots, lots of time. That <laughs> is movie. not a good synopsis because the millionaire doesn't a seek thermi. retribution. No, no, he seeks retribution. He's mistaken for a oh, a man mistaken. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It made the room hang together. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the right I plot know. synopsis on the back of the tape. I know. So, oh, so, so. Nobody gave a shit about that movie. So, so wrong. I don't think anybody's going to get this one, but it's good. Jerry and Rachel are two strangers 
thrown together by a mysterious phone call from a woman they have never met. Threatening their lives and family, she pushes Jerry and Rachel into a series of increasingly dangerous situations using the technology of everyday life to track and control their every move. Brady? Brady. <laughs> Stranger than fiction? No. I can read it again for the two people who have not I don't think guessed. I've seen this. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. What is it? Nobody nobody wants to guess? I don't know what it is. All right, it's uh, Eagle Eye. Never heard of it. 2008. Wow. It's Let's do real movies. It actually Let's wasn't do horrible. movies that people have seen. It actually wasn't horrible. It was a fun action movie, you know? It's like one of those sort of things. It's got Shia LaBeouf. If by yeah, fun you mean non-existent. Okay, so Brady, Brady knows Brady knew movie. of it. Yeah, it's the guy who did Suspiria with him, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid doing ones that have sequels with like subtitles that you yeah. guys have to get wrong. Don't uh, do that. This would probably be a good one. Even though I haven't seen it. In 2035, a technophobic cop investigates a crime that may have been perpetrated. Blade Runner? May have been perpetrated Tessa. by Tessa. Robocop. By a robot. <laughs> Brian. Brian. Terminator. Which Tessa, I a robot. Threat to <laughs> I robot. I robot. Fuck! I didn't <laughs> wait for him <laughs> to say my work? name! Respect procedure, yo. <laughs> Okay, so I think that's test one, Brady one, right? Brady two. Oh, I'll never win. The Grand Lebowski. Oh, right, right, right. I suck at your rules. (laughs) Oh, we're playing to five, by the way. I forgot to say that. Everybody knew that, but Brian Brian doesn't have any points, so. (laughs) 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 He's got beatboxing points. He's got beatboxing points. Uh, This will be a really good one. Any of you should be able to get this one. <laughs> oh, God damn it. This Watch Brian. me lose. This is so goddamn short. He's like, Brian, Titanic. <laughs> I was going to say Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> the aliens are coming. And their goal is to... Tessa. Tessa. Mars attacks. Invade and destroy... Brady. Brady. Independence Day. From... 1996. <gasps> hey, what? That was, that, was, that was a pretty good one that people. Mars Attacks totally works for that synopsis as well. Yeah, it does. But that's why you gotta wait until enough of it's been written. Yeah, but if you wait, then someone else will get it. And that's, then I'm just. That is the whole crux of the game. Like Honestly, nothing revealed my ruled name out Mars Attacks. I would have said it if she hadn't. Yeah, Mars Attacks is a better movie. I was about a half it's a better. I'm saying Independence Day. Yeah. I love as it. much right. as I like to beat up Tim Burton, it is I got another such one. a good movie. A lawyer becomes a Brian. target. Brian. Uh, wait, liar, liar. <laughs> By a corrupt politician and his NSA goons. When he Brady. Ha- Brady. That is, you know, the one with... Oh, fuck me. Poor Five, fuck. Four. Fuck. Three Enemy of the state. From 1998. Oh, wow, Brady. You almost lost that. <laughs> I know. And I knew it. It seems like Will Smith, Gene Hackman. And yeah, he's just going to yell around. the actors. <laughs> 1996. Will Smith, 
Gene Hatton. Like, <laughs> I can't think of the name. Is yelling. Just review the film. Every- just like, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty entertaining. John Boyd hasn't had an illustrious career, but he does fine. Jack Black was okay. Yeah. That's right. Jack Black's next. Good stuff. All right, everybody. I got a good one. You had a good one. Do King Kong. Okay, so it's Brady 3, <laughs> test Brian, 1. King Kong. <laughs> Intent on seeing the Kahulawasi River. Brady. Brady. That's deliverance. That's correct. Oh, my God. With John Voight? Is that where you went? You went John Voight. He went John Voight. You went all John Voight on this bitch. That movie fucked me up, by the way. We should watch Deliverance. I think I have. Wait, wait. Oh, my God. I've got iRobot. Deliverance, iRobot. Lebowski. Big Lebowski and Enemy of the State. Brady is going to win every also Independence time. Day. Oh, oh shit. Oh, yeah, you won. Oh, uh, well, shit. Can we do Just uh, give me his Independence Day point. We a bonus round for if, the win. Yeah, if Brian, if Brian gets this one. I win. He wins. Well, what's uh, what's on the line for me? I'm <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's winning. This you, isn't fair. If Brian gets this one. Playing with a handicap Brian went zero. Brian went zero for everything. And this one's going to be really hard. Okay. Let's do it. It's going to be really hard. What if I win? You're going to know this one for sure. Do we just go on with the game as usual? No, I don't think anyone's going to get this one. Okay, fine. Brian. If Brian gets it, he can win. I want to know Brian. what I get if, if you, I get if, it. If you win, you keep Brian from <laughs> defeating your boyfriend. <sighs> you got to defend your boyfriend's honor. Supportive uh, wife. That is what uh, supporting actress Oscars are made uh, of. That's so great. Okay. I'm so happy for you, Marissa Tomei. <laughs> At the end, Brian. <laughs> Joe versus Volcano. <laughs> How would the plot synopsis for that possibly start off with at the end? At, at the, the end, end of the of volcano. His life. He is. <laughs> he doesn't to jump into keep a volcano. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Well, Brian lost, so there's wait, no. Wait, he, he can't didn't go twice. Lose. He can go as many times as he wants. I thought he could go as no, many well, times. he has to wait. I, for that wasn't explained to, to me. Wait for everybody else to go. Okay. Oh. What? No. No, no. Okay. no, no. Once you buzz in, you have, everyone else gets a chance. You don't Nobody get that. told me that. Of course you don't get I told you that. I just in. edited the last episode where I told you that. Okay, oh. well, nobody told me that, so... Uh, <laughs> well, I forgot. I said that at the beginning of this episode. Go I ahead. Said, Go okay. ahead. At the end of his career, a clueless fashion model... Brady. Tessa! <gasps> Brady. Zoolander. I was going to say hard. that. You said it was really hard. That was pretty hard. That, that was, was easy. Hard. And I was going to say Joe's apartments. Except how is he at the end of his career? That's a dumb synopsis. Look, they're all dumb synopsis. This game's stupid. That's the whole point of the game. All right, that was plot lines. Brady fucking won again because he always does. Because he knows every fucking movie. There were some close calls, That was fucking bullshit. Some close calls. And I should just be able to yell movies is <laughs> all I want. All the movies that I want to say, I should be able to yell them. Uh, you can. You just won't win. get any points. And win. <laughs> I should win. <laughs> All right. Now I know that you can't just yell out bullshit because you only do it once. Tessa, Joe's apartment. Ryan and Joe's apartment. Um, so I'm going to pot you down a little bit, Tess, because every time you've shouted, <laughs> it's hurt my right ear. You need, a, you need to put I'm a compressor sorry. on Tess. She just needs a compressor. I, yeah. I think we should totally <laughs> pot ourselves down with pot. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's take a little break. I'm going to no, show no, the no, no, smoke we should do it here. Yeah, 
I don't. We're all friends yeah. here. Nobody gonna, listens to this podcast. It's fine. I'm gonna make next sure that your mom listens to it. Okay. Well, I have to pee, so let's do. What's it? Oh yeah, it's what's it all about? Okay. So here we go. What's it all about? Right? Okay, so that's the next segment. I'm going to have Tess go, and then we'll just go clockwise from there. And that way I can pee. Okay, good. How does this work? Off you, uh, We say what we think the movie is all about. I'm sure that Tess will have plenty of time, yeah, and right. that you will have responses, and that I will be back before... Oh, are you leaving while I talk? Well, that's why I want to take a okay, break. Okay, I see. Pee. Okay, you don't want to listen to my well-thought-out... No, I, uh, no, I do. Anything. I want to take a break. Um, okay, or are we taking an actual break, like all no, of us? No, we're not. That's the whole thing. I'm going to go pee. He's just going to pee. Yeah. Okay. Well, what so what's I... it all about, piss? All right. Um, well, um, I think this movie is a lot about lesbian subtext. Um, and this is a thing that, that happens in horror um, a lot, is that, you know, the vampires are lesbians and it's a very very othering thing that goes on and you get a lot of instances where um theo in this is uh you know just blatantly kind of coming on to eleanor and um you know very interested in her showing uh signs of extreme jealousy when she's um talking to john markway uh dr john markway who she you know, you know right from the, the get-go that she kind of has a crush on him and is curious about him. Um, so, you know, my general reading of it is that, you know, Eleanor is your bisexual and um, Theo is, you know, she can't even pass. She's a, she's a lesbian. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's a scene on um, when they're out in a balcony um, and they're talking... It, it would seem um, about uh, Theo's uh, clairvoyance and that, you know, she's uh, strange and supernatural. But the way that it's framed is just, you know, so so clearly there's there's a subtext there and there's some reading between the lines of like at one point I think she calls her like a natural or um, an ab- I want to say abomination. I'm not sure if she sa- uses that, that word exactly. But she, she, um, yeah, she like calls her horrible names and is like, you know, I, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a, so what this movie is all about is, um, lesbian subtext to me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it has, it has a, a huge place in horror movies, um, especially before, there was a place to tell stories about lesbians and, and openly having them be lesbians. And I want to talk about this a little bit later, too, yeah. um, is the remake. And um, what I do want to say, is the, right before I left okay. to go pee, is that um, this actually isn't like a cyclical thing. People can jump in whenever, when, right, it's, when right. it's cool. So this is oh, your okay. discussion. I, I screwed we're up. Di- we're when discussing. I, right. but exactly. So anybody can jump whenever. If you finish and nobody has anything to say, we'll go to Brian. Okay. But, but anyway, continue what you're saying. Oh, so. um, uh, were, weren't you saying that you had written down something for about Oh, yeah, that no, scene? I wrote down the, the line that you were talking about. What what did she say exactly? Because I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't remember exactly what she said. Yeah, yeah, I will find that. Keep going with your thing. Um, yeah. So you've got that You've got that incredible scene. Um, okay, which is here completely we go. Oh, go ahead. You're a monster, Thero. You're monster. The, yeah, yeah she calls uh, her you're, monster. The mas- you're the true master of Hill House. You're revolting. I'd rather be innocent yeah. than than like you. Nature's mistake. Yeah, yeah. 
Harsh. That's exactly it. And like, so she's calling her all these horrible names, and she's constantly trying to fight with well, with Theo, even yeah, though like it's exactly you know, the rhetoric of what people say about right. homosexuals but when you know before we had Stonewall and there is yeah. like this this incredible self loathing going on right, with for Eleanor her. Um, in her interactions with Theo. Is like she that's why I think she's a bisexual and I think a lot of like when I when I saw this in the class like nobody said like oh she's a bisexual like it's like no, oh it's lesbian I have, subtext I don't belong to anywhere but she yeah no she right. is she, she doesn't belong she doesn't belong yeah. anywhere right um, and that's kind of what I yeah that's yeah, what I was feeling like. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think the movie's about Eleanor's right. lack of feeling so of belonging. So I think we're, we're getting a yeah. coalescence so on what we all think that's I definitely think she's a bisexual, and to have that exist, like, in a film, and I remember talking about it in, in that film class, and, you know, nobody said, oh, Eleanor is clearly a bisexual. Like, you know, everybody just was reading it as lesbian sub- subtext. And it's like, well, no, she clearly, she's interested in John Markway. She's very, very upset when she finds out that, that he's married. Um, and then and then you have that great scene where she's clearly, like, you know, flirting with Markway in her tweety way. Right. And then Theo comes in and is just sitting across the table from her so fucking jealous yeah. Like she like she this looks like a jealous ass lady like <laughs> and she's you know, she's she's given her a hard yeah. time. She's given her shit because like she feels like they have some kind of a bond together. And if she is clairvoyant, then the thing that she probably already knows is that there is is that, you know, she's she's, she's dealing them, she's right, dealing yeah. with these like this attraction to her that she doesn't want to admit and that she won't admit to herself and that Theo is trying to like bring out in in all of these these sequences where they're 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 holding hands or she she imagines there's a there's a scene where she imagines that she is holding Theo's, Theo's hand. hand right there was a ghost holding her hand there was right. a ghost holding her hand but then like you can you can subtextually read that as like a latent desire right, as right. as something that that she wishes she was able to do and like yes they do spend a lot of time like kind of like holding each other and being frightened ladies together. And there's even a scene when they're in the parlor where like Eleanor is just sleeping on, she's, she's on the floor with her head on, on uh, Theo's lap. Like, right. and it's like, yeah, I guess at that, like maybe in the sixties you could just like lounge all over your lady friend, but it's, it's pretty gay. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, I felt like overall the movie was about Eleanor and how she's kind of this, um, sad lonely person without a sense of belonging mm-hmm. and ultimately she finds her her belonging or her meaning uh she she feels she belongs to the house like yeah. she, they say at one point like she feels like the house is kind of slowly sucking her, her in yeah it wants her and she finally finds her her sense of belonging and I, that's what i felt like it was about yeah yeah no i mean I, there's definitely a sense of like i don't have a place to belong i don't have a place to be i have a question did anybody get uh in their head exactly what happened to her mother so this the ex- that's that what happened to her mother is the exact same thing that happened to um, Abigail is Abigail was very sick and she was dying and she was old and she was banging on the wall for her her assistant her caretaker to come and take care of her and she was out on the veranda making out with somebody and then she died because her caretaker didn't come in and, and tend to her when she right. was you know having a heart attack or whatever the fuck was happening to her okay. so the exact same thing happened to Eleanor's mother and she right. describes it as her mother was banging on the wall just like Abigail Abig- does right yeah and um she just didn't get up she just decided you know 
today I'm tired and my muscles hurt and I want to play solitaire by myself in my room right. and I'm just not going to go. And then she died and yeah. she wasn't upset about it. Okay. So, and so then, there's, there's a lot of people talking about how like she either did kill her mother or maybe it's ambiguous that she like purposefully just like just neglected her, neglected mother. her mother but, that time. And, or yeah, there's also so. the idea of maybe like, Okay, so the the other person was on the balcony making out with somebody when the sick girl died, right? She was an old lady at that time. Oh, the Abigail. Okay. Uh, she was an old woman okay, by the but time it, like that they she were died. off making out with somebody. Yeah. They're, they're, okay, so that sexual connotation in relation to that reflects maybe like the fact that she was bisexual or the fact that she was like yep. quote unquote deviant. Right. Like maybe it's what killed her mother. Right. right exactly. Like, like you killed your mother. She couldn't deal with the way you are. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. And then to you know the the caretaker uh, commits suicide by hanging herself, and she has the same instant where she goes up that same spiral staircase and leans leans back over it like I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna just jump off this staircase like. And you almost get that moment, and then then Doctor Markway like you know pulls like, her back, like, and is like, uh, is it the time yeah. to act? Yeah. And so right, yeah. that there's yeah, she is the caretaker, and they even when they have the uh, the the interaction with the statues, they even point her out as being the caretaker. So, um, you know, just. Okay, so another. Th I think that's a very You're interesting right, thing about what things well, okay. are. Okay, oh no, about. it's my turn. Uh, or, or Brian, are you? Have you said what you think he, it's about? He did. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay. I was just saying. Right. It's a, yeah. I had another thing to bring up, but let's, you can talk uh, too. Let's respect the procedure. Then. Well, the yeah, procedure is Rob, we're, we're all just conversing. Let's respect but, the procedure. You know, Rob. if if well, okay. Yes, market zero. Okay, let me explain the procedure real quick. The procedure <laughs> is over the line. One person starts, <laughs> and then everybody just talks about what. And if we're going to change subjects. Then, you know, if it's a good stopping point, the other person can jump in. If you would like to go, sir, of course you may go, but there is no set order. Well, but this, but we are on a subject, which is what's it all about, right? Right, now. but we yeah, don't have to go in order, that's all I'm saying. About. Okay, so General that's, discussion. that is troubling to me, because that is change. Which, I, w I just that, popped in and said that before, I'm like, wait, wait, hold no, on, no, no, Hold on, hold on, hold on, you talk too much, you talk too much. Okay, you that, can go, it's fine. That change troubles me, and I think... That is what the movie is about. It's about <laughs> uh, it is about horror, and and I do say that if I have any issue with this movie, I think it's that it doesn't, um, and I don't need a movie to connect its dots super cleanly. In fact, a movie becomes bad if it does it too overtly. Too, yeah, like fucking war horse. Uh, but I could have used a little more like clarity of focus I in like that from this movie. Though. War horse sucks. Yes. Um, but the, the visual of the trench warfare is like astoundingly great. It's really not. Can um, we not talk about? I'm okay. sorry, I said warhorse. Brady, go ahead. I, fuck that warhorse. I will. I'll fuck the warhorse. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think this movie, while uh, not being as focused on it as I would like, is about uh, two things. I think it's about horror and the atmospherics as this metaphor for otherness, uh, emerging sexualities. Kind of uh, interestingly, like almost what's going to come up in the 60s as we're about mm -hmm. to get to like summer of love politics and all that. And then the other thing is kind of like this spectral hand of the parent holding people back. How the the parents of Abigail, like the father made her look at the dead body, mm -hmm. just kind of oppressive parenthood and wanting to like feeling guilty about have we done right by our predecessors. And so, yeah, I think at its best, the movie is this kind of dialogue and as Brian says, this person kind of lost in the middle of it who doesn't have a clear set identity. 
Uh, so I want I to I want to point out when you say that like that having that clear set of identity and your predecessors and things like that in this we have everyone has kind of a family that you know of even even Eleanor Lance who has a different last name from her sister who's married you know so that separates her from her family but at least she has you assume that her last name is the same as her mother's last name whose name we never learn as far as I know but then you have then you have Theo who doesn't have a last name is completely unconnected to to anybody so she's she's more disconnected in fact than than Eleanor because she has she doesn't even have a backstory they never give her that and she doesn't want to divulge it and when she when she introduces herself she says I'm I'm Theodora I'm just Theodora on the chalkboard when the doctor is you know picking out the people he's going to take it says Theodora question mark and everyone else has a last name written there and it's like I think that's that is a really interesting like to to connect to your point of uh people's relationships with their parents and this like familial thing we have this this lone character who is the lesbian in the group you know that just doesn't doesn't have a family doesn't have a last name doesn't have those questions doesn't have those issues she has her own issues perhaps but she's also kind of there more to be somebody for uh Eleanor to deal with and to deal with her emotions with this ties in a lot to what I was thinking about most of the movie which is the idea that um like in this movie for whatever reason the women and the way they are are deemed as as the sick ones they're the ones who are ill they're the ones who like aren't they can't quite deal right no, I'm and, and i do have a, i do have a um a reason for saying that and and the other thing is that the men are the ones who are like stable like there's the psychiatrist who's leading this whole thing and mm-hmm. then there's the guy who obviously should be there who because owns he's the, the house he's the heir to the house right. he owns the home that right. they're staying in so societally like they're very upstanding gentlemen who have a no. proper reason to be in this relationship luke is an asshole they make that very clear right. but he but... has a proper reason to be there he which does. is that he owns the fucking house. He owns house. the home. Right. And the other guy is the one orchestrating the entire thing who's just studying, right? So yeah. he's got a proper educational reason to be there. Mm-hmm. However, there are some questions about that. His wife yeah. going, hey, uh, you know, these other people are going to figure out what you're up to out here, and that's not proprietous, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, he is established as somebody who has a very proprietist standing in society. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, Eleanor, who's basically mentally ill. I have – I, I – uh, she I, was in a right. she was in a mental institution. I was they, in a mental institution, yeah. and I don't belong anywhere. I just mm-hmm. like there's I don't have no standing in society. And then there's also uh, Theodora Theodora Theo yeah. Theodora Theo, yeah. yeah yeah. She has basically no standing in society as well because theoretically she's you know in our assessment a deviant from society. But even so, she doesn't have a backstory. She doesn't have a last the name. Only she doesn't have we, any belonging place either. The only thing we know about her is that she. Um, got 19 out of 20 cards correct in an ESP study uh, at right. a university and that that she couldn't that were out of her sight so, so we know that about point, her yeah, don't, don't they explain at some point was that covered in the synopsis like where like they explain why each character is there oh yeah uh, well I didn't I didn't cover that in the synopsis I explained that they have some connection with the supernatural but can, but can I connect yeah uh, finish yeah, yeah, yeah. my survey yeah go ahead okay so the connection was is that the men who have very proper situations in society and like are accepted by society are always going out to conquer the thing 
you know, they hear these sounds. Oh, it must be outside. I need to go out there. I need to. What else mm-hmm. have I got right now? I need to go out there. Uh, no, I need to go out there. And then for the women, it's always it's in here with me. I can't go in there. Uh, the companion hung herself inside a stairwell, not outside. She could have easily jumped out a window, but it was yeah. inside the house. Uh, men constantly are dismissing the woman's feelings, saying like. Oh, someone was trying to get into the room while we heard the thing outside. Yep. There's a, there's this thing of in and out, which is yeah. like the sick people who are the women who happen to be in this situation are the ones who internalize all their emotions. Everything's in at them. And everything for the men who are the healthy f- uh, benefactors are going out. And the same thing for, and it's not always the women, because the same thing for the wife. She's like, well, she says, I'll go in there, but... I think the action is more of like an outgoing sort of thing. Like I can come to this house and go get involved in this and blah, blah, blah. And it won't affect me. I have a proprietist relationship. I'm trying to tell my husband this is all. Well, she's also a, like a hard, a hard skeptic too. Right. is why she, she's like, she wants to stay in the but most haunted room in the well. house. Yeah. But what I'm saying is she's going out of her situation, even though she's going into the house. But, her, but as a woman, she goes into the house, but as a, proprietor's person she's still outwardly focused but yeah do, and do you think that was a, a conscious choice by like the director or do you think it's that's like a, uh, I think that's a re- i think that's a reflection of society at the yeah, time storytelling right. at the time so it's you think just that's like just that. kind of subconscious yeah. i think yeah, yeah i think in the 60s women were considered to be very internalized and men were considered to be very externalized yeah. and so when you yeah. write dialogue for men and women you tend to follow yeah those, that, and the, those that's lines. the other is, is that like, a theme you guys have so covered in in the in the moments where they are being haunted there's you've got two two great scenes so, so one scenes i think, think that one i think where um the the first scene um with uh, uh eleanor goes into theo's room and um there's a dog uh and a lot of banging and they they think that there's a dog outside and they're afraid that it's going to come into the room and there's a lot of hand holding and um you know, freaking out, and then the guys come back and are like, oh, well, we thought we heard a dog too, but we didn't hear any of that banging, um, and we weren't far enough away, and it was really loud. And then um, there's another scene uh, that I actually would like to talk about um, maybe in a little more depth later, but um, where there's a face on the wall in um, Eleanor's room, and Eleanor thinks that there's a lot of internal monologue and she thinks that she's holding Theo's hand. Interestingly, it's almost and, hardly uh, a face. It's it is almost hardly a face, but it is a face and with the sound with the soundscape like the oh, like yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of and get, it zooms in. you get yeah. it's and it's beautifully shot and it's it, it the fact that it's only the impression of a face and the more that you look at it and the more the light and shadow plays on it the more it becomes a face but at at first it's not a face at all it's just a shape on a wall and the more that the lighting takes over and the more the soundscape takes over the more it becomes a face um and you know she thinks she's holding Theo's hand and has a lot of internal monologue about that and then she gets up and she looks like her hand is in pain and she keeps talking about like Theo is like squeezing my hand so hard and then she gets up and Theo's on the other side of the room um and she I'm not sure whether she heard all of this as well or if she is completely oblivious but she does look frightened when she gets she wakes up um you know and there's a lot of like children like there's children laughing in the ambiance sound and like like in the background the and most interesting there's thing like about that shrieking sound. of children and she like goes I can't let this ghost hurt a child yeah. and like that's and the most interesting thing about that sound 
which you hear multiple times, not mm-hmm. only in just that scene, but it's like it's you can't tell at first if it's laughing or crying. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. You're hearing this like. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, is that is that crying or is that somebody laughing? Can you do and that then, again? <laughs> yeah there is a lot of yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like a like really a lot ambiguous sound that's very confusing in the noise and um you see a lot of like cherubesque creatures in the walls and things like that so like there is this very like childlike element to the house that is never fully explained. You know that Abigail was like, you know, probably not treated the, the best as a kid. And, you know, she was made to look like her. There's this scene where they're looking through this book that her father wrote for her. And it's just about like hellfire and brimstone. And um, Theo makes like this remark about how like every kid should have to listen to this at bedtime. And it's just like this kid must have been so fucked up and she stays in her, her nursery the entire time of her life. And like, um, so there, there is a lot of stuff about like, you know, mistreating children, like in kind of the background there. And then you have this come out with, uh, with, uh, Eleanor going like, I can't, I can't let them hurt this kid. And she wants to scream about it, and then like you know that kind of uh, you know breaks the the tension of the the moment. But uh, yeah, and and it is barely a face. That's the other thing that's interesting about it is like you really do have to try to see the face, but the lighting and the sound make it one. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's beautifully shot, mm. really really well constructed yeah. visually, and, and it's very like and like for instance the opening scene where they're. Like and and on this part, if if somebody else, you know, right after I say this, somebody else wants to jump in with what's it all about, we're kind of getting past that and going to individual yeah. scenes now. I think we've just. I mean, we had the sound foible. Yeah. Let me I say, yeah, let me say the one thing I was saying, which yeah. is, uh, the way it's even constructed when you you know things are separate takes. Like mm-hmm. her talking to the groundskeeper at the beginning and her talking to the wife at the beginning are totally isolated shots. There's just like, there's the shot of this guy that's static and there's a shot of her that's static. And it's just cutting between. It's like, well, we know that they shot those at different times and they cut them together. But it's just, like, constructed in such a way that it's very, like, and you, it just seems to flow, even though it's, yeah, yeah. it's obviously been uh, kind of contrived, I would say. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, uh, no comment on that myself. I'm not sure. I'd have to look again. Ah. Um, but does anybody else have anything to lead towards what it's all about? We talked about... Well, it's about lesbianism, loss of identity uh, for the bisexual person, and also maybe sick people acting inward and yes. parental brutality. I think it also, it's also it talks a lot. I mean, it's like a it's about childhood shame and kind of mm-hmm. like strict yeah. religious yeah. upbringings. Yep. And, right. And how that fucks people up. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, that that sick inward like acting in upon yourself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like there there's also like a thing like uh, I think listeners of this podcast will probably understand this because I listen to like a lot of Doctor Drew. But, like, he talks about, like, childhood shame and trauma, and he goes, like, you know, women, um, um, like, soldier through it and just, like, internalize their emotions and just kind of try to warrior their way through it. And, uh, is it men are warriors, women are, fuck. Well, damn it, I fucked that all up. I okay. Know. Women are warriors, men are, no, god damn it. Okay, never mind, I forgot exactly what the phrase was. Which Sounds was. like a stereotype. Right, no, it is a stereotype, <laughs> but it's a stereotype about traumatic Pop people, psychology. and it's basically saying this is the tendency that has to be true, is that women internalize and men act out. 
So men are warriors and women That's are back to that. Women that, are warriors. That men in are and warriors. out That's theme you were talking about. Warriors right. and warriors. Warriors. So internalizing. What is this Shakespeare bullshit? Oh, <laughs> it's just like traumatic childhood causes men to act out I don't against know, man. the world I and like that for women and it's not every woman and it's not every man. I'm not like yeah. stereotyping right. in that way. I'm just saying that it's a general tendency of the numbers if you look at a, a traumatic childhood. I see. Okay. Interesting. You know, I'll just say, I mean, as we're continuing to talk about this and zero in on what it's about, it is a, a movie very interestingly of its, t- of its time. And usually when you say that, you mean, you know, it's a product of whatever the schools of the time were, whatever techniques. But it, it's interesting, this movie and what we've said it's about coming at the tail end of the conservatism of the 50s mm-hmm. and with the freak out. Uh, an eventual rise and fall of, of the hippie movement that's soon to come and you've just got this kind of lost child of a film about children and parents and rebellion really i mean i think Sexu- human sexuality yet, i think yeah. it's about rebellion too it is like reacting against this this well rea- and reacting <laughs> against like her fa- her mother you know that was uh, cl- apparently they imply abusive but also an invalid that she was taking care of and and it's also subtle know. too that's the thing like very subtle it's like they don't out there you really have to be kind of reading into it to even see like the w- like the lesbian subtext and uh you know all these things like um they're very much not like just outward about it and i guess that's probably also just a product of the time like maybe yeah yeah well yeah if you wanted to say that you couldn't say that kind of stuff outright yeah, yeah. I, think it's all I think this is 1963 so this is even before the rating system which started in 1969 i don't know you would know that i wouldn't know that yeah i believe that's right it's uh 63 or 64 there was a case where basically it was going to say that the national film group couldn't enforce the Hays code mm-hmm. basically so they were going to say each individual municipality gets to determine whether or not um they're going to show this movie. Hollywood really didn't like that because that meant that Kansas gets to decide they're not going to show Hollywood movies and they don't have ultimate control anymore. So this was before that point in time when the rating system was made after that to combat that where you couldn't make things that were immoral. If it was deemed by the Hays Code to be immoral, you couldn't make it. And the problem with that was... That's where all the subtext comes from. That's what all this repressed things or this commentary about. Yeah, the movie itself seems repressed, honestly. Right, exactly. Because it was. Movies were at that point in time. Right. Or if they weren't, you know, because this is at the same time as West Side Story, which was shot in color and big, big booming, whatever, where they did talk about a lot of stuff like that. But if if it wasn't in that time and I'm somehow mistaking that, it's at least by being black and white. Um, and the kind of way that it uses it calling back to that sort of mentality about film mm-hmm. at the very least, I think is my uh, opinion. Well, so just interesting anecdote. I don't, I definitely don't want to get off into another movie, but, uh, this movie, oh, yeah, we do this yeah, movie. We're saying, in here. Uh, Let's do it. This movie attacks repressive parental figures. West side story is an interesting example and it comes right before this movie. Because uh, it takes the story. West Side Story, 1962, 70 Best Picture winner? Yeah, Best Picture No, 61, winning. I think. Okay. I think Lawrence Barabia was 62. Yeah, that's true. Uh, both of them shot in 70 millimeter Panavision. Yeah, well, both beautiful films. Um, and that movie took a story that, to me, Romeo and Juliet is largely about casting like a big wagging finger at authority figures who think they know so damn much and like 
look at the tragedy you bring on your hands. But because it's about gang members more than it is about paternal figures, other than Officer Krupke, um, it really puts more blame on kids. The, one of the most famous lines from that is like the shop, the good-natured shop owner saying to the gang members, "Like, why do you kids have to make everything lousy? Like, why does your yeah. violence why do you have, have to, to fuck do that? it all up with your thoughts about things?" And so then, right after, we finally have a movie that like also puts the fire to to adult figures as well. Not the West Side Story completely. Okay, so in interesting side note about the fact that those are both 70 millimeter Panavision. I just want to lay a <laughs> little technical <coughs> knowledge into this. Um, that sort of idea. Here's what what 70 millimeter was. They took two 35 millimeter cameras and and fashioned them as binoculars. So basically, when you'd look through with both eyes, you would see an ultra wide screen, very much like you do when they use an anamorphic lens, which takes an ultra wide screen and sh and shrinks it down to the size of the film. But in this case, since you're using two cameras to do it and you're doubling them up and stacking them right next to each other when you project them, mm -hmm. what you get is high, high resolution. That's why huh. that's why West Side Story looks so bright and vibrant and mm -hmm. clear and there's no grain to it at all. And that's why Lawrence of Arabia looks like that. And furthermore, why Lawrence of Arabia is so white. And another movie that is very high and vibrant in color and has absolutely no grain is Snow White. Which was also shot. It was the very first oh. movie shot in seventy millimeter Panavision. Interesting. Nice. Okay. So yes, uh, look up on that process, people, because that's way better than four K well. or eight K. So if you guys who are saying, "Hey, why don't we just do digital now? It's better." It's not. All right. We have studied up on film here. What about what if we understudy? Yeah, we should do that. Understudy transition. Okay. Be right back with that. Do -do -boop 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 -boop. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies, tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. Oh, yeah. Thank you, boys, for uh, throwing in that fricassee. I'm a man of large appetite, and even with a, with a lunch under my belt, I was feeling my peckish. Oh, a uh, pleasure, Big Dan. And, uh, uh, yeah, thank you as well for that uh, conversational hiatus. I, I generally refrain from speech while engaged in station. There are those who attempt both at the same time, but I find it coarse and vulgar. Now, uh, where were we? Making money in the Lord's service, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't say much, friend, but when you do, it's to the point. I salute you for it. Oh, it's worth nothing. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 uh, uh, Bible sales. Yeah, the, the trade is not a complicated one. There are but two things to learn, one being where to find your wholesaler, word of God and bulk, as it were, two being how to recognize your customer, who are you dealing with? Uh, an exercise in psychology, so to speak. And I, now oh yeah, it's, it's that which I propose to give you a lesson in right now. I like to think I'm a pretty astute observer of the human seed. No doubt, brother. I, I figured as much back there in the uh, restaurant. That's why I invited you out here for this advanced tutorial. What What's going on, Big Dan? Ah, ah. 
Yeah. Ah, that's Big Dan, what are you doing? Yeah, no, it's all about money, boys. That's the answer. Don't write me. Oh, yeah, and also do unto others before they do unto you. I'll just take your show cards and whatever you got in the hole. What the? <laughs> it's nothing but a damn toad. No, you don't understand. Don't you uh, boys know these things give you warts? Oh, Pete. Oh, Lord, Pete. And end of lesson. So long, boys. <laughs> See you in the funny papers. Oh, Pete. That was understudy. Tweet us your answer at C A R N Y Couch. Hey, everybody, everybody, that was a great rendition of understudy. Please, once again, let me explain what understudy is is that uh, you should try to guess the actors and you should try to guess the movie that it is. Tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. Uh, we played two actors who were not typically doing that scene, and you should try and guess who those are. If you guess Brady's actor three times, then Brady wins the bet. If you guess my actor three times, then I win the bet. The loser of the bet must walk around, go out, purchase, and then walk around in high heels, and we will post pictures. So, now we have... <laughs> Sorry, Brady is terrible at walking in high heels. Yeah, I was I'm just sure thinking, we dude. Both will be. I'm we should use your microphone. No, to you're point awful. I was trying to show you how to walk in high heels, and you refused to do it. So what we're gonna have now is we're gonna have Chunk Brian have Bauer as our musical he guest. He was he dressed in drag for a Halloween a few years ago, and but no I high was heels. no, he was wearing high heels, oh, and he, he was, was really he was clomping around, around in them like he didn't understand what they were. I right. fell no times. He didn't fall, board. but I was trying to like show him how to walk in heels, and he was just like having none of it. And I was like, "Here, let me you put eye makeup on you." Your and he kept like moving. And then Tara English showed up to say yeah, happy birthday, awful. and you were just really, really, really. really and that was my birthday. Halloween is when. Oh, okay. Halloween was when he was. He was monocle. He was. He was monocle Lewinsky. All right, but anyway, it's time for Chunk Brian Bauer to play a uh, a uh, musical song because he's our musical guest this week and. If you want to be on Carnivorous Couch as a musical guest, tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y Couch or go on our Facebook or go on our website and post a comment, send us an email, whatever. Okay, here's Brian Bauer with, what are you playing? I'm going to play Dress Bell Blues. It's a song from my upcoming EP, the Golden Nuggets EP. Should point that uh, shotgun right there. All right, here we go. You're coming, you're going, you're fooling around. You're hiring, you're lowing, you're fooling around. You're cooling drooling you're shaking it out the way that you're moving you're the talk of the town oh but they're onto your soul you're always looking over your shoulder Ooh, and i'll be hanging out just acting the clown 
as I'm watching you get gradually colder. You're hot and you're cold and you're fooling around You're riding, you're golden, you're fooling around Save me, I'm crazy, my heart's heading south My head's full of marbles that roll out of my mouth Hold up in your home, you're drinking alone But you're sober Your snatch is growing more, you're catching a cold you got your fantasies filed in a folder Thanks for that. So uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about, a little bit about uh, just final thoughts and what we're going to do next week, right? Yeah. Final thoughts. Concluding thoughts. So um, I did want to talk a little bit about um, comparing this movie um, with the remake from 1999. I don't want to cut you off, but I just realized I forgot to do something that I should do as a gracious host, which was... That was beautiful, Brian. Thank you very much for playing that on our podcast. That was lovely. That was lovely. Thank you, man. How did you write that song? Uh, I wrote it about a year ago. Um, it just uh, that that little uh, line stuck in my head, and uh, the term "fooling around" stuck in my head, and I built words around that <laughs> over nice. the course of about a month. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Thank Back you. to us with Tess <laughs> in 1999. Sorry 1999. about that, Tess. So in 1999, a remake of The Haunting came out, which I saw in the theaters with my friend. Um, we were very excited about it, and I don't know exactly why, um, because we were very, very disappointed. But um, one of there's a couple things that stand out to me about the remake, and one of them is that um, 
Theo's character, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, comes out in one of the scenes, I believe, uh, just says she's a bisexual. Just comes out as bi so that you know that, you know, she's she's crazy and out there and you don't know what she'll do next. And, like, this, this remake missed the point in every possible way. Right, because the whole point the was original. that that's subtext and that right. you can't discuss and it. That, and it's a and repressed that, emotion. Yeah, and that uh, that Theo isn't bisexual. You know, she's a lesbian, and um, the I don't know. It just it missed the point in a lot of ways, and there was lots of crazy special effects. That scene, for example, with the face on the wall. Um, I recently re well not recently, but a few years ago, um, I rewatched both the haunting and the remake of the haunting for comparison's sake <laughs> or you just for, happened to watch I, I was both? i was juxtaposing them for um a class but i was interested in rewatching them anyway because it was just a class i was taking for shits and giggles anyway i was taking this film class yeah, at bcc cool. and i decided that i would juxtapose the two m movies the original with the remake and i showed the class the scene with the face on the wall and everyone was just like sort of spellbound by it and like everyone was you know gen genuinely chilled um we watched it in a darkened classroom where you know you're in a learning environment so everyone's trying to focus and you know get an a and and that and, yeah, um, unlike uh, here at carnivorous right, studios where, where we just do just whatever talk the through fuck. it and eat pot stickers and whatever but anyway um so and then i you know and no one was expecting this i showed the um, comparative scene from the remake which involves a giant CGI ghost face that appears on the wall and oh, screams I remember this. No, no, at I saw them. this on TNT or something. shit. Oh, it's shit. so bad. Things and have gotten a little less subtle in our time. Yeah, no, and it was so, it was like the opposite of subtle. It was just so insanely out over the top ridiculous, just like everything right. in that movie was. Like, And I wanted to bring it up because we have been talking a lot about like you know, it wasn't scary, and we were expecting, like, you know, the statue to blink and things like that. And there is, I, I believe, a scene in the remake where those same statues come to life. Right. Like, the, well, all of this stuff that you're saying wasn't scary and should have happened happens in this remake, and, and it is awful. <laughs> it is just so bad, yeah. and it's so badly made and put together and misses every single point. And, like, for example, there's another scene um, with the uh, the groundskeepers where they're played they're they're played exactly exactly the same way in the remake as they are in this original but in a modern context they become the butt of a joke so your where, final thought is the new movie sucks. The, the final thought of the movie sucks but it's also that uh, you know they don't make them like that anymore and you know subtlety is lacking in modern cinema i don't know but i just want to point out like in all the ways that this movie failed and how hard it was trying to like be a remake of it because the casting seemed like it could have worked and i think liam neeson plays the the doctor, the, the doctor. i'm not sure yeah. but yeah no it's just like it could have been okay and it was just missing every single thing about this movie that made it work um, and it takes the lesbian subtext and has Catherine Zeta-Jones say, hi, I'm bi. And that's about it, you know. So and, something and then interesting. And it, the, it takes the bit with the kids and, like, turns it into this, like, the kids are trapped in the house. And 
she like sacrifices herself to get them out of purgatory and like none of this stuff was in right. this original it's so bad okay so <laughs> my whole feeling on that matter is like and the reason why it's better even in the repressed way where it's like yeah they're probably doing it this way because they can't actually express these things in yep. film and, and be accepted by society or the Hays Code or whichever it was or they're trying to imitate a time when they couldn't be accepted by the Hays Code which I brought up earlier and I'm just going to do that really fast so if anybody just heard me saying what I was saying you can ignore it if it's stupid um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is that if you think about a time, I mean, like, well, let's just go around the circle. Tess, do you believe in, like, supernatural stuff and, and things and energies or whatever and how um, this goes, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, I do. Okay, Brent. Wait, what? Do you, do you believe, believe in, in supernatural, supernatural tendencies, energies in houses, ghosts, things like that? Um, not in the most literal sense, I guess. Okay, Brady? Uh, I'm open, a little bit poetic, a little bit. I do believe in kind of maybe th th there might be something telepathic happening with the world, right. but I don't know right. what it is. Okay. I believe that the more you believe Memes. it, the more real it is. Okay, so that being said, that what I'm about to say might register more to Tess and maybe a little bit to Brady than it does to Brian. Sure. But that's just my interpretation of those answers. So I've had some creepy shit happen to me in certain places. And when it happens... It's not over the top. It's not a ghost coming yep. out of the wall at your face. It's you're looking at this thing on the wall, and somehow in your brain, something is going on that is not something that would normally go on in your brain. And it's really disconcerting, and you're yeah. just staring at the wall, and or you're having this dream, or like you wake up after having a dream, and you go like, that was no normal dream. Like, you know, uh, I guess uh, to be specific, there is a Tahoe house. Brady's been there, actually. We got locked out on the balcony. I think we told that story, <laughs> story. on a previous podcast about yeah, uh, my dad saying so. dumb shit kids. Um, but anyway, that place has a weird energy to it. Like, when I was there, I do not open the windows in that place because I'm only up there to ski. And it's always fucking, you know, 22 degrees. So I went to bed. I had a dream about a dark figure. That came in through the window and asked me to sign a contract in blood. Oh. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> and then I woke up and the window was fucking open. <gasps> I did not open the fucking window. How sure are you about the window part? I'm positive part. about the window He's part. He prefaced it with, I do not open the windows. Yeah. Right. So we can trust at least that. Well, no, because it'd be, we'd, we're only up there in like December or January. Why would you open the window? I, and it's possible, it's possible that I could have slept, walked, and opened the window or something it's like possible. that. You, you can explain this away logically. But I mean, like, that was a freaky fucking feeling. And there were other times just in that house that I had this freaking energy that was yeah. weird. And it's not over the top. It's not like a thing actually comes to you mm -hmm. or says anything. It's like you're just sitting there like trying to ignore something that's very yep. bad here. Yep. And I'm watching Sex in the City. And I don't watch Sex in the City. <laughs> but I'm watching Sex in the City because I cannot stand to sit in this room with the TV off. Because otherwise I have to feel this horrible fucking energy. Yes. I don't know what the fuck happened here. Ooh. But it's just like, and if I were to stare at the wall instead of staring at TV and watching Sarah Michelle Gellar. I also have Geller, a ghost but story. Yes. But um, anyway, that's what I'm saying. That's the reason why it's better, that it's not overstated. Right. Because it never is in real life. Well, here's the thing. is like there's actually a scene in the movie in which she tries to go into the nursery and the smell literally casts her out of the room. Like she cannot go in there. And part of the, re like later on in the movie, she thinks she's broken the spell of the house because the smell is gone and she can go in this room right, and like she just really you know opened she's, a window. she's dealing with it um but i and when i saw her first this this scene where she tries to go in this room and the smell 
just casts her out of it and she can't deal with it. And I had this exact experience when I was um, at this, uh, it's called the, um, I can't remember what it's called. It'll come to me. But there's a, a, a home museum in Oakland that's been around since, you know, 1850 or something like it's a very very old home that's now a museum and it's not kept very well and there's like one curator and a woman who makes tea parties on the weekends and um the tea party was amazing but then they take you on a little tour of the house and that's nice and interesting and it was fun felt a little creeped out by it um and then they took us to this room that now granted everybody that was with us said the room smelled terrible but I could physically not be in this room. Like I went in and the, it was somebody just had a really bad. It was guess. well, no, it was well. Let me tell you, it was in this room. Like there was, there were lots of um, cases filled with just really weird shit, like human skulls, mummified birds, um, bug collections. There was a corner filled with suitcases so that just, just smelled very like weird, disconcerting old energy suitcases. that somebody there was, had. There done. was a little like golf bucket full of weapons from oh. some aboriginal tribe somewhere <laughs> that probably still had poison in them. Like this room was a fucking sarcophagus of like of crazy, crazy ass energy yeah. lots of weird potentially smelly stuff and it smelled <laughs> so bad and like everyone's in there looking around and i went and i looked at the skull and that the one thing that the the person taking us on the tour Sherlock. said was these skulls were stolen from north america and that was all sh or from south america and that was all she said they were stolen from south they're like it's a human skull. <laughs> what the fuck? It could have been someone from uh, so, Headhunters in the Amazon. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. And then, like, so everyone's well, kind of hanging out in this room and trying to, to listen to her. And I couldn't breathe in there. Like, I couldn't deal with it. And I got this, like, really, really sick sense in this room that there was a thing trying to, like, it was grasping at my throat with Lovecraftian tentacles of horror uh. and trying to speak to me. Something was what in something was in this room that was angry and pissed off and wanted out. And um, so I run out of the room and the whole rest of the time, like there's photos of me in this house and every single photo of me, even from the get go, I look upset as shit, even though I remember having a nice time. Right. But all the photos of me just look yeah. And then, um, you know, as we go on the rest of the tour, and they because you're in your head, room. and you've got your yeah. mom, but you talking to you in your the, head, saying it's okay. Yeah, no, right, exactly. <laughs> and it's just it. This was this was one of the most disconcerting. Like if I Barbara, shut the if fuck I, up. If I ever my dealt with a and then here's the other weird thing that happened. Okay, so like there was a lot of instances in this movie where they're dealing with cold patches of air. So um, the room that we were in was up in this, like, top corner. I knew where it was, and we were walking around the grounds outside. And just below this window, there is literally a cold patch. And it is so cold and so strange that I think uh, 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 but Susan, it's not actually Susan cold. Maddie, it is cold. Susan's, but, like, if you take a uh, thermometer, Susan, it's Maddie's not actually mom cold, right? actually, like, referred to it as, like, an individual ecosystem. Like, because there was, like, trees. Like a there were trees. Yeah, a yeah. microclimate. There were trees and there was moss, and, like, it just okay. got, it got so cold. So, like, if it was frost, below if it was frost this room. So, if it was just approaching that, frost, that, like, there would be, like, an area right there right. that was, like, frosted first. 
Yeah, essentially, and like it, it, yeah, it referred to it as a microclimate, and like saying, this is uh, something that, like that is that is just outside of this room, and it was just this was one of the weirdest experiences that I ever had, and I spent the the whole like I went and then I went home and like I couldn't get this taste of this room out of my mouth. Um, I went home and brushed my teeth and had to throw the toothbrush away because the next time I used it, it tasted like that. I almost threw up in the shower. And for like a bunch of times, I just felt like, you know, like this, this smell was like lingering with me. Yeah. There's a few um, places in Cowell that are like that. I was talking to Maddie about it and, you know, we were talking about like chakras and shit like that. And like my chakra is, is my, you know, my throat, my throat, my voice chakra. And that was, I think, why it like did, did that to me. Papers! No, that, that like that had that effect. And like the reason that um, Maddie pointed out was that like, oh, well, um, the thing in the room was trying to communicate and it, you know, it sensed from you that like this is your this is your powerful chakra. So it's going to try and communicate with you specifically. So like I just like was like this this left me reeling and it still does. Right. And I'll talk about it because I genuinely was in a haunted room. Yeah. Th- and there were some places in Cowell. Uh, like there was a place where somebody had killed himself in Prescott, oh. and I think Jess was in that room. And when I was in that room, I was like, "There's something bad here. This is bad." That like, pool, um, the pool that somebody drowned in, right, felt weird right, to yeah. me. Um, but these big but, uh, but I mean, like, I really don't think do necessarily that it's a person who's left behind. Right. No, it's, I think it's, it's more a, of like it could like, be anything. There's this energy that they just yep. like spent a large period of time feeling awful and so awful that it like yep. distorted. Yep. Like something. I mean, and with all the shit in that room, and like you know, the the automatic go-to would be that the skulls, like something about the human skulls. But I didn't get a bad feeling from the skulls. I got a weirder feeling from the suitcases. Mm. The suitcases gave me a really bad vibe, and then the weapons. Well, they used the suitcases to transport the cult, the skulls from South America. I don't know what was going on. The skulls are yeah. trapped. Yeah, no, the skulls were very uh, but unhappy I remember, I remember with having been in the suitcases for that long. So, I, I mean, like, the suitcases had a really bad connotation. I had asked the, and they were, like, classic suitcases. Like, they were the big, yeah, you good know, for hard, skulls. the hard ones that have all the stickers yeah, from did. all the places you visited. Um, they all looked like that, and I remember asking you throw a couple the, uh, keys of heroin in there and some skulls, and nobody asks any questions as long as you present it like Johnny Depp did in Blow. I wanted the tour guide to tell me about the suitcases, and she was just like, oh, they're just suitcases, and I was like, like, something is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> What's in those suitcases? What's in those fucking dead suitcases, bodies. I know. <laughs> yeah, like, the dead what? bodies of the skulls. I mean, yeah, okay, so they're good for that, and, and some heroin. She was keeping heroin in there. But just so for the sake of maybe whatever. you'll edit out some of this story. But no, no, I think it's great. Uh, but yeah, uh, so next week, go- that is my ghost story. So next week, uh, unless anybody else has final thoughts to say, we're gonna do Ace Ventura. Anybody got anything else to say about this thing? Rock oh, out. Really? Rock out with your Glock out. Rock out with your Glock out. Uh, is that a song? New new song. Or rock on with your socks on. Take your pick. Rock on with your socks on, everybody. Terra English theme song. Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob 